do you know what is amazing? What's amazing is this act of social distancing, of keeping space between you and your community to buy time to ensure that health services are not overwhelmed and sometimes at great cost. At extreme personal sacrifice, this act is one of the finest examples of civic-mindedness in a generation. Because most people I know, they're necessarily doing it for themselves. More often than not, you are doing it for someone else. Maybe your spouse, your kid, your neighbor, but maybe, maybe someone you don't even know. To support healthcare workers, the service workers on the front lines, or maybe you know the most vulnerable amongst us can't take one more blow. And it is amazing, this outpouring of caring. When some may have supposed that people didn't care anymore, people care. But that doesn't mean it's not hard. And as we hunker down, many of us are looking for guidance on how to navigate a world turned much, much smaller. And our team here at SNAP want to bring you some love, some hope, and advice from those who have lived through different lockdown scenarios before. So I'm thrilled to bring you the second installment of our ongoing series, Letters from Lockdown. And we begin with Mansoor Daifi. Mansoor was detained at Guantanamo for 15 years. I am Mansour Daifi from Yemen. I was detained at Guantanamo. Everything there at Guantanamo was designed to break you. We lived in iron box, two meters and two meters. I think I will share my screen with you so I kind of would like to show because here, can you see? In the photo here, it's one meter wide, okay? You have the bright light in the side, see? Here the toilet, you have a little hole in the ground. Imagine you live here 24 hours, bright light that will blow up your, your eyes. You are not allowed to know the, the time, you are not allowed to see the sun, you have nothing. Even your shorts can be taken from you at any moment. Even the smell of the air, they sometimes put like pepper spray in front of the air condition. Yeah, it just kills you. Anyway, I used to worry a lot, thinking a lot. Your life will never be the same. It's going to damage you mentally, psychologically, blah, blah, blah. You will live here. You can't, you wouldn't be able to get any kids. You know, like, this, like, people have all kinds of fears. Then one day I reached the conclusion, Mansoor, you have been worrying. You have been thinking a lot. You have been eating yourself inside out. So whether you cry, whether you hit your head against the ground, nothing is going to change. You know what? You know, you have a choice not to do. Like in Guantanamo, we managed not to take things seriously at all. We developed a sense of humor that it was so common among detainees. Even in the worst situation, like you just try to make fun of each other. It's hard and difficult, but you have to make it look, you know, like look funny. You know, like in 2004, they opened, they opened a new block called Romeo Block. It was one of the worst block at Guantanamo. As soon as they move us to the block, they strip us naked. I refuse. I'm not gonna give you my strip naked. They enter the cell. They, you know, hit our heads uh, against the ground multiple times. They move me to the rickyard and they like, they, sh they shift both sides of my head and they leave only one line in the middle, like a horse. And they shaved my uh, eyebrow. My face 
<laughs> my face was really look ugly because it was swelling, it was bruising, it was like my like blue uh, color around my eyes. Really, we looked very bad. And then the second day or the third day, they came to move me to the solitary confinement. So when my brother saw me there, one of them said, "Who is this beautiful woman here?" I was like, "It was not." <laughs> it was, it was just like, you know, someone who tried to make, like, to make you happy. One of them said, Mansoor, anytime I would like to, sc to scare one of the guards, please come to the window. It was painful. We were bleeding. But at the same time, we tried not to show it. Uh, at Guantanamo, you have nothing. But now, you live in your home. You have freedom. You know, you have a choice to be happy, choice to be sad, choice to be crazy, choice... Like, what distinguishes us from animals? That we have free will. So even in the worst situation, we still choose the best way to live. It's not shame to be sad, or to be mad, to be angry. No, let it out. But with other people, try to laugh, try to try to make them happy, try to give them hope, remind them, look, we will laugh after about it, I'm going to kick this ass fucking uh, our coronavirus. Uh. People will play games, maybe TV shows, maybe movies, maybe articles, who knows? This is, this humans. You know, sometimes ordeal can make you better, stronger, smarter, can do something in your life. Things maybe things get worse before they get better. It's not it's not the end of the world. No, it's not. Maybe things will be slow, yes, but maybe it will be even better. This is what we told ourselves at Guantanamo. You heard them folks. Telephonies. Write them, share them. This is the season for dad jokes. Make fart noises. Wear your clothes inside out. Whatever keeps your crew laughing, do that. Now, our next piece of advice comes from Judy in Utah. I'm Dr. Judy Elsley. I come from England, but I live in Ogden, Utah in the U.S., I developed breast cancer. I was 59 and I was gone for about a year while I went through surgery, a mastectomy, and then chemo, which took a long time to recover from. And I would say that in many ways, what we're encountering now is parallel to my experience in that um, the whole world is sick at the moment. When I, when I had breast cancer, I made nine journal quilts. It was a time when um, I just didn't have the strength, inner or outer, to keep a journal and write about what was happening to me. But what I could do was cut out fabric, sew it together, and make an eight by eight inch square each day, and then just write the date on that square and write something that happened during that day, just a sentence or two. All right, um, I'll, I'll read you uh, two early ones. The days drift by, a buffer until the real work begins, and the real work um, was the chemo. 
These days are calm and quiet, but I can hear the roar of the rapid and I'm gradually floating towards it. The only way forward is through the rapid. Doing something creative every day is a real lifesaver um, for a number of reasons. One is that it gives shape and purpose to my day in a way that nothing else really does. I feel like I've achieved something even though nobody else may see it. Snappers, I'm in my kitchen right now learning how to grow hydroponic onions. At least, that's what I tell the kids they are. There is so much to do inside. Next up, are you tired of being locked in a small space with your special someone? When Meg and Elena, they found themselves having to escape Russia, they hopped on a boat and set sail, just the two of them. It took them eight months on that boat before they arrived at their final destination, Canada. So you know, they know about a lockdown. Hi, my name is Yelena, and I'm Russian. And my name is Meg, and I am Canadian. I think we are good people to talk to about this, because indeed, we spent many months in the confined space of the small sailboat. We spent 10 months on the high seas without the right to land. All we had was each other and the boat. The first night we started out, we really didn't know how to sail. And we had left a country we could never go back to. And I had to come to grips with something because I was going to fall apart. That was that was the biggest problem right there, was the isolation, knowing that I was quite literally trapped and didn't have any place to turn. At that point in time, I had to sort of stand back and just put things one step in front of the other. And once we got through the first gale, we kind of got our sea legs and we realized that we could look after ourselves. We were okay on our own. We could survive. And the next day was a little easier. And the next day was a little easier. We have survived winter storms in North Pacific. We have survived pirates. We have survived hurricane in Atlantic. We have survived gales in Mediterranean. We have survived days and days and days of isolation and uncertainty. Extreme isolation was one of the first things to get used to. What else I was doing uh, to fill the void in me was playing games, computer games. So the game I liked very much was Sims because I, I, I could do things that I couldn't do in the middle of the ocean, like invite friends or watch television. And, and, and the, the ironic thing is that what I like the most is preparing food because there were appliances there and they were, every, all the sounds were real. All the sounds were the sounds of human life on land. It allowed me to be distracted from reality, from my fears, and it allowed me to put together two amazing worlds I survived this uncertainty because, because I know that there is nothing else, that this life is it. I have to make every single day count.
That's right. Kids, let your folks know that video games are the least of their worries. I'm going to be playing Sims tonight. Letters from Lockdown was produced by Naomi Zevaloff, Shana Sheely, Liz Mack, and Anna Sussman. Our team is working hard to put together more pieces of advice from people all over the world. Stay tuned for more. And if you have advice from past lockdown you would like to share with Stamp Nation, reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email us. Pitches at snapjudgment.org.